This is the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. Bill Jack from Worldview Academy with us, too, on this edition of Generations. And just a couple of issues today on this edition. There is a war going on in Washington. Bill, there is a gigantic war going on. That, that, and you know the Supreme Court of the United States is in the center of it. <laughs> that's that's called a BFO. That's a blinding flash of the obvious, isn't it? Yeah, yeah isn't it? This, there is a war going on. You're right. But it yeah. just seems as if it's heating up. Clarence Thomas is right in the center of it, and they're working on his impeachment. Yeah. MoveOn.org is trying to pull together 1.3 million signatures. They got 1.2 so far. Yeah. It has, it has started to snowball, and um, there's been only one Supreme Court justice that has been impeached, and he never was removed from the bench. Well, they got to get two-thirds of the Senate. It's yeah. hard to believe that's going to happen. The wolves are slavering over him. Why? Why Clarence Thomas? Why do they pick on him? Well, is it because he's the longest-serving member of the Supreme Court? No. Okay. Is it because he's the most senior member of its conservative wing? Mm, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Uh -uh. Is it because he voted, and he's the only Supreme Court justice who stood with President Trump on the January 6th stuff? No. Is it because he's the only one who who ruled in favor of President Trump when he was you know fighting turning over his document? No, no. Is, is it is it because I know why it is? I figured it out. Okay, he's black. It's his skin color. Yes, it's a racist thing. It's a race thing. Yeah. Okay. He's black, and they're going after him because they're racist. And he's a black conservative. Well, it's just he's just black. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Let me throw out one more thing, and that is that Clarence Thomas in the Dobbs case suggested, okay, and this is what hit the fan. He suggested that perhaps homosexuality, the right to perverse sexuality, and the use of abortifacients might not be protected by the 14th Amendment. Right. And there, my friends, he's going after not one, but two sacred cows. Yeah. And these are the sacred of the sacred cows. These are the, the holiest of the holies of the Ark of the Covenant, the modern covenant. This is it, man. This is it. It's like, oh, you go, you touch sexual perversion. You, you dare, you dare to touch. How dare you abortifacients. touch abortifacients? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Killing babies by high efficiency abortifacient birth control. Um, that's about 73% of the population at any given point in time. Wow. Wow. He suggested and, that. And, and you remember the response. It, they, they were mad. Oh, they not were. not at anybody else. It was Clarence Thomas right. mentioning that maybe the 14th Amendment didn't really have that much to say about homosexuality and abortifacient contraception. Boy, that just was not, that was not politically correct. That's an F minus right. on the politically correct scale. And, uh, well, he's on ice now. And he happened to be black and you can't yeah. you can't betray yeah and so he's now considered to be an uncle tom mm -hmm. literally mm -hmm. yeah okay well we're going to talk a little bit more about the abortion issue next on generation stay with us you know busyness has a way of creeping into our lives 
As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk. And those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains. To provide quality time for you to connect with your son, can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event. So go to coloradofatherson.com and register today. And we're back on Generations. Kevin Swanson here. Here is a an article from Jezebel. I kid you not. There's an online news source called Jezebel. Huh. Uh, sort of in your face. Yeah, you I'd know, say. Post-Christian apostate. But anyway, this has something to do with the politics of the 2022 elections. And here's the um, the quote. They're, they're taken out of what Trump wrote over the weekend on Truth Social. And he wrote, it wasn't my fault the Republicans didn't live up to the expectations in the midterms. Okay, this is Trump. I was 233 to 20. It was the abortion issue, poorly handled by many Republicans, especially those that firmly insisted on no exceptions, even in the case of rape, incest, and the life of the mother, that lost large numbers of voters. Trump continued, also the people that pushed so hard for decades against abortion got their wish from the U.S. Supreme Court and just plain disappeared, not to be seen again. Now, I think I agree with Trump on this. Uh, I, I think yeah. I've found something to agree on. Now, now I do think that on his first point, that, you know, they, they should stay strong on the no exceptions principle. Yes. Do not surrender the principle. That's the first mistake that conservatives make. And sounds like Trump is willing to make a concession on the exceptions. Uh, but the second point is even stronger. Here's what he says. The people that pushed so hard for decades against abortion got their wish from the U.S. Supreme Court. And then they just plain disappeared, not to be seen again. And I, that's the point I made. The loyal opposition did not show up at the 2022 midterms. And the reason is because the Republican Party abandoned their base. And the Republican Party told candidates specifically, do not touch these issues. And abortion was one it's of them. It's about inflation, not abortion. Yeah. That's That was the mantra. Yep. And, and you attempted to... Oh, counter I, that i addressed that when in my race i addressed that was the number one issue i addressed mm-hmm. and when i went door to door when i when i talked to people who were these were republican voters in previous primaries and i went door to door and then they they would ask me the number one question they asked me was what's your position on abortion when i would say i'm unapologetically pro-life without exception they said you've got my vote and yet the republican leadership abandoned their base they walked away from their base so trump is right he's wrong that this was not an issue he's right that that it appeared that those who were activists disappeared but they were counting on the republican party to stay true to its platform and the republican leadership abandoned its base 
And so that's why it appears that these activists disappeared. I'm not sure they disappeared. They just had no no voice. They had no outlet for their message anymore because the Republican Party shut them down. There's and it's a, time when we, as, as those who are in the Republican Party, take back the party. There's a failure to commit to principle on the part of so many of the Republican leaders. And this is the reason why they lose. Now, there's two theories going on here side by side, Bill. On the one, it's we don't compromise more so, we won't win. Right. The other theory is let's stay true to the principle and let's commit to it and let's go the distance. Yes. And, and you know, whatever it takes, our lives, our fortunes, our sacred honor, let's do it. Let's lay it all down for the cause of principle. And I'm not sure there's enough of that in the Republican Party. No. I'm not sure there's enough of that with the loyal opposition. Oh, I'm sure there's not enough of it. I, yeah. I've experienced it. I've seen it firsthand. And again, it's not just me. I have friends who were candidates and um, one in Lakewood, and he was told point blank, do not, do not address these issues. And of course, when he did, he didn't get any support from the Republican Party from the state. Well, my friends, it's going to be something more than a couple of conservative Supreme Court justices that can uh, turn the tide on this one. Uh, it's It's got to be uh, those with principle. It's got to be those who have the will to win, who step in and say, this is important enough that we are going to uh, fight for this. We're going to see that this makes it into uh, the judicial uh, systems, the legislative systems of our states. And we are going to fight tooth and nail to be sure that personhood amendments make it in our respective states. And thus far, I don't think a single personhood amendment has made it anywhere in America today, which means that there's very little commitment to principle in this country. Well, here again is Jezebel. Trump is very much correct that Republicans' crusade against abortion rights and the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs hurt their candidates badly in the midterm elections on a year they had been expected to sweep. But for him to point the finger at others for being too extreme on the issue when he openly insisted on punishment for people who have abortions is absurd. So this is what the Jezebels would say about his position. And I would simply say, yeah, I don't think there was a commitment that was strong enough amongst the rank and file Republicans and even the pro-life community and the churches didn't really commit to it. I, I think we saw a couple of leaders who are a little disappointed that Roe v. Wade was uh, reversed. Uh, and I'm talking about evangelicals. Well, I'm talking the, about many, pastors. I'm talking about those who should be the spiritual leaders of this country. They waffle when it comes to abortion, reversing Roe v. Wade, outlawing, banning abortion. How many or, of them uh, address that that decision in their in their sermon on the next Sunday? I think the silence was deafening. Yes, the silence was deafening on this kind of stuff, my friends. Uh, so, well, it turns out that we're losing. And the idea that just the reversal of Roe v. Wade is going to be all we ta- all it takes. No, the, the Supreme Court justices turned it over to the pastors, literally. They turned the decision over to the pastors. And we're just waiting for the pastors. What are they going to say? What are they going to preach? What are they going to encourage their congregants to do across this country? Will, will there be a state that will stand for principle on this issue? I sort of doubt it. Well, it turns out that there is something of a conservative minority going on in the U.S. House of Representatives right now. So far, McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy has failed five votes for Speaker of the House. He's not doing well. No, there are 20 not. conservatives dug in, and yeah. they're not going to bend on this. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. They are getting concessions. They're, they're, they're working to get concessions that will, will benefit 
conservatives in the future, but we'll see. The question that keeps ringing in my mind is, does the loyal opposition have the biblical principle and the commitment to that principle necessary to fight through and win any of these battles? I think that's a question that keeps coming back to me. Uh, you know, it's interesting that 8% of news site traffic is Fox News. Have you been to Fox News? You talk about a waste of time. Yeah. I mean, for the, the most the, part. The, you go for headlines. Do they, do they ever present a solid position? Todd Starnes is probably the best on Fox News. They jettisoned him. Yeah. Maybe I mean, a year or two T- ago. Tucker's still there. I Tucker's still there, yeah. but generally, my friends, it's a waste of time. 8% of news site traffic is Fox News. 2% is the Wall Street Journal. And 5% is Drudge, Gateway Pundit, Zero Hedge, Epoch Times, and Newsmax. It's all, it's all 5%. You know, we, we talk about, you know, these conservative news sources. 5% is Drudge, Gateway Pundit, Zero Hedge, Epoch Newsmax. 2% Wall Street Journal. 8% news site traffics Fox News. That means 85% is New York Times or MSNBC. 85% of the news in America, the news sites in America, the news site traffic in America, 85% is liberal. 5% is maybe a little bit pro-life. I wouldn't say that. But we want to be, we I wouldn't want to say be that, too radical. We don't I wouldn't say Zero Hedge, Gateway Pundit, Drudge is all that pro-life. No. And so our 5% is almost nothing. They have very little to, to, to promote a biblical world and life view. And what's really odd is that Epoch Times is owned by a cult, and Washington Times has been owned by the Moonies. People say, well, these are the good guys. These are the best guys going for us in media today. Well, these eccentric cults have not marched in line with the communists in North Korea and the base of the Moonies in China, in the case of Epoch Times. And so the cults that happen to be anti-communists are the ones that are buying up the news sources. Here's my question. Where are the Christians? (laughs) You follow me here? About 0.00001% is World Magazine Generations and Christian Post. Wow. Okay, so, and we're going to win the pro-life battle. I have a hard time believing that at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, look what happened in Kentucky. Yeah. You know, with the pro-life agenda there, it was voted down. Well, yeah, exactly. Kentucky, there's something strange going on here. I, I do not get it. This contradiction happening with uh, with Kentucky. On the one hand, Kentucky lost the pro-life initiative in November by a vote of 53-47. On the other hand, Kentucky only had two abortions in October. Right. Do you get that? What's going on here? Well, the, the amendment was a pro-life amendment that failed, mm-hmm. but they have laws in the books that are pro-life. When they put the question to the electorate, they got the wrong answer. Yeah, I was. I happened to be in Kentucky during that that cycle, and I saw uh, all these signs that were pro life signs in yards. But then I turned on the the local radio stations, and the ads against that particular amendment were vitriolic and, of course, disgustingly lying about what will happen if they pass that amendment. 
and people were swayed by the media is my opinion on that and that's why my friends christians are going to have to gain control of the media christians are going to have to get to the point which the pastors have more of an influence upon the 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 minds the hearts of their congregants than the new york times and the washington post and i think this is the issue christians are going to have to gain control over the inputs and right now it's the zeitgeist that has so much control over the media inputs that makes it into the hearts and minds of the populace across these states and until we gain control of the media and until the congregants realize that their world and life view must be more set by the word of god their world and life view must be more set by the pastors preaching and teaching and equipping the man of god for every good work by teaching every word of god from cover to cover of the word of god until we find the the preaching the pastoring the discipleship centers the uh the inputs coming more from the word of god than it is from abc nbc and cbs and fox news until the world and life view is not set by the media as much as it's set by the pastors the preaching the word of god we're going to lose bill we're just going to keep losing right and that we've removed the salt from the culture We've, we've kept it in the salt shaker. Instead, we need to shake it out of the pews into the culture. Meaning before we gain any ground in politics, we got to gain the ground in education. We've got to gain the ground in the media. And that's why generations have spent its uh, time working on a biblical worldview-based media, a biblical worldview-based news source, a biblical worldview-based approach to K-12 curriculum. And so, because unless we can restore a biblical discipleship for the next generation and maybe another one or two generations from now, we're never going to gain any ground in the popular culture or in the political situation. It just is not going to happen. We've got to address the inputs. We've got to address the discipleship. It's just a question, Bill, of who disciples, and you know it's pop media. You know it's ABC, NBC, CBS. You know it's Hollywood. You know it's the public schools. Until the 25, 30, I don't think we need the 51% or the 68%. I think we just need a concerted minority of about 15 to 20% of the population agreeing to pull their kids out of the public schools and giving them a distinctively biblical culture, a distinctively biblical Christian curriculum. Until that happens, we're just not going to gain much ground in Washington. No, we we don't start with Washington. We start with we need to get our home our own houses in order, and then the churches need to be proclaiming truth and grace, and encouraging people to become salt and light in their culture where they are. I can't do anything about Biden. I can't do anything about the current governor of our state. But what I can do is start where I am, where I live, get my house in order. Parents are the first line of defense. No, yes. make that the first line of offense. Parents are the first ones. Until parents gain a vision for discipling their children in God's word and the application of God's word to every area of life, until that happens, we're not going to see any reformation in church. Until the pastors get involved and be- begin to disciple the man of God for every good work, applying the word of God to every aspect of life. Until that happens, friends, there's no hope in Washington. 
There's there's no hope that we're going to reverse trends in any of these nations. So what's the strategy? The strategy is reformation of family and church together. And I encourage you to our strategic approach, as I've summarized it in Epoch, the rise and fall of the West. The final chapter is where do we go from here? Now we're dealing with the fall of a civilization. We're dealing with the uh, complete obliteration of Christian influence on our Western cultures. We're dealing with the demise of freedom and liberty across the entire world. Now what? Well, check out the last chapter in Epoch, the rise and fall of the West. And let's engage these further discussions. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.